Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. Business. 
We'll get into all of that. We'll get into the upsets in college football. We'll, uh, of course, we'll get you ready for next week's games at the end. But we're going to open the show where we always should, and that is with the World Series. We're watching the World Series live, of course. If you want to get involved, get in touch with the show. Be a part of our coverage. You're more than welcome to call the show. The number is 646-668-8467. And uh, that's how you can get your voice live on the air. If you just want to message the show, go on Facebook and send us a message. Our Facebook page is Fit Down Sports Show. Um, seems pretty, seems easy enough, right? So, um, anyway, um, anyway, so the World Series, uh, began last night. We got game two going on. First pitch is probably in about 15 minutes. So we'll do the same thing we did last, uh, last week where we're following it live and we're giving you the update as it's going on. So, um, you know, you won't miss anything if you're listening to the show. And, of course, we're paying attention to it. But last night's game, last night's game was big for the series. Um, of course, game one is always a big game. But for the Red Sox to get a win in a game where Kershaw pitched, that's a big bump to them and a big shot to the Dodgers. Anytime Kershaw is involved in in a losing and in a losing uh, losing way. It's big for it's big for the other team because you know he can only come back once, maybe twice more. You know, once as a starter and maybe again in a game seven as a reliever. So to dodge one of those bullets. You're you're already ahead of the ahead of the card for the Red Sox, but the story from last night was not the pitching. Uh, you know, Chris Sale didn't pitch that well either. I, I don't think I don't think Chris Sale pitched that well either. He gave up the home run to Matt Kemp, um, gave up the lead a couple times. So um, the story of Game One is. Is in the the story of Game One was who um, you know how do you make these decisions for um, for for taking guys out of games? How do managers go about it? We've seen we've seen this before. This isn't the first time we've seen somebody oh. Let, Let's pull a guy who's throwing right up. Baez yesterday faces two batters, gets two strikeouts, and Dave Roberts comes and gets them for a relief pitcher. And why? Because he wanted the lefty-lefty matchup. So what does Alex Cora do? He goes to the bench, gets the right-handed bat of Eduardo Nunez, and Nunez makes him pay. Now, um, you know, that 
that comes down to not only the matchups that are on the field, but that comes down to managing and knowing who the other guy has on his roster and knowing what what they're going to do. He went, he took Baez out for no reason. I mean, if you know they've got a right-handed batter on the bench, why not leave Baez in? Let the left-hander hit. Um, of course, we can all say that in hindsight, and we can make all all those kinds of things. But th- this wasn't a hindsight. This was a a first guess where I was like, "Huh? Why is he coming out of the game? He's it's like blowing everybody away." And now we're sitting here doing this, and wow, look at this! Look at this picture, and they've got. Uh, basically all of the, I want to say, what is that, 2003, is this 2003, 2004 Red Sox out there? They had, they had about nine guys throwing out the first pitch. So, pretty sweet for, um, for Boston, especially since both managers, um, were a part of that. Um, and especially Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, probably the biggest reason the Red Sox won the World Series that year. So, you know, nice to see him get out there too. So, all right. So the game looks like they're getting ready to begin. So this should be fun. So why, why, uh, the, uh, the the Dodgers are coming out with with a pretty weird, a pretty strange lineup. It looks like. Um, uh, Matt Kemp is out, so um, a lot of changes from last night to tonight, so we'll see how that goes. David Price is getting ready. We'll see how David Price, David Price, everybody said, oh, David Price has turned it around. David Price got his first playoff win in his last start. Let's see if he can continue that on here and see what, see what the Dodgers can bring. So, of course, we'll give you the updates as we go along here. We are watching the game live, so it's in a first play ground ball to third base. So, the good start for Price. One pitch, one out. And while we're doing that, we'll move on to... um, We'll move on to some other topics that we got, and we'll start. We'll start. We'll start with college football this week because a lot happened in college football, and we're going to get to a lot of, of this. A lot of this. We're going to be talking a lot of um, a lot of college football coming up. We're going to be talking a lot about about college football because. We got the first playoff rankings are coming out on Tuesday. So next week we will be definitely previewing the you know, we will be reviewing what is the first um you know, the first play of the playoff committee decisions and we'll be able to know where we think these where these teams stand. Um so it'll be interesting to see. But 
let's go to last week in college football and let's just take let's just take 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 the games at hand and you know how we do this we do winners losers um, we do the biggest winners the biggest losers so let's start with that and we'll dive into all all of it and to me we're going to get a lot of big 10 talk in here and it's going to there's you know th- that was the kind of the where all the focus was last week so but I'm going to start with my my first big winner of the week and that it, it says a lot about this team that it says a lot about the way this season has gone that this is a big win at this point but Nebraska beating Minnesota should not be a big victory, but because it was the first victory for Scott Frost, finally getting that monkey off his back, finally getting it done, um, you got to give props to um, to Nebraska. Right, they're off the schneid, and now we don't have to worry about it. And um, David Price strikes out Justin Turner for out number two, so we're uh, two up, two down for the Red Sox here. As we get going. So, Nebraska's my first college football winner of the week. My second winner of the week. My second winner of the week. i got to go all the way out west. i got to go out west to Utah. To Utah over USC. Now, a lot of people, everybody, everybody... In, in in the national media was focused on the northern side of this, focused on Oregon, Washington State. A lot of people didn't really focus on USC, Utah, because this game was asked, this game was probably more important, especially to both of these teams, because this gives Utah the leg up in the in the standings. And probably, I mean, I want to say that it clinched, it, it didn't officially clinch them, the Pac-12 South. But in a way, it did. It gives them a one-game lead plus the tiebreaker over USC. So, Utah is in the driver's seat as far as, far as the Pac-12 is concerned and getting to that uh, to that championship game. So, um so that's why I got Utah as my second big winner of the week. Um, for my third big winner, I'm going to skip the third big winner because I kind of lumped all of these together. I'm going to go with the biggest winner. To me, the biggest winner of the week was the three, three big games from the Big Ten. You can lump Iowa, Purdue, and Michigan all together in their big wins. And what we're talking about here with with well, let's just let's take the easy one first. Iowa, the easy breakdown. Iowa destroys Maryland. That keeps Iowa. I think Iowa is in the driver's seat. And you know this show. You know how we love Iowa. They are actually ahead of the game now 
with um, Wisconsin losing to Michigan, if Iowa runs the table here, if they run the table, they're going to they're going to go to the Big Ten championship game because I don't think Wisconsin's going to get through Penn State. Um, you know, Wisconsin's got a lot of tough games coming up. Like I said, they still have to play Penn State. They still have to play um, Purdue. They still have a bunch of these games left. So does I- Iowa has Purdue as well. But Iowa is sitting pretty right now because they don't have a Penn State on their schedule. They've gotten through the Big Ten um, Eastern side, which is they- they've gotten through their crossover games. So Iowa's in a very good position to get themselves to the Big Ten title game, and then you never know what happens. You know, and we've had all this talk all this time about, oh, what if it's a one loss? What if, what if it's a one loss? What if Michigan's one loss is to, what if Michigan's one loss is to, um, to Ohio State, or what if Ohio State's loss is, is to Michigan? We've heard all of that. What if Iowa sneaks in there? Iowa goes out and beats one of those teams in the Big Ten title game. They finish with one loss, a one loss at Wisconsin. You, I, I think the committee would look at that and say the Big Ten you know they would have a win. They have a win over Iowa State, so it's not like they don't have big wins. So I think it would make it very interesting for the committee uh, if Iowa were to get to that Big Ten championship, if they were to get there and knock off an Ohio State or a Michigan in that final game. It would make it very interesting. But that's why I put Iowa on there as a big win because it keeps them alive. If they lose a game, they're done. But if they keep winning and they've got a big contest with Penn State coming up this weekend, if they get through this Penn State game unscathed, they should be looking at a very very winnable schedule down the road. Uh, If they get through this, then they've got Purdue, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But you know, that's a very reasonable schedule when you compare it to um, when you compare it to what Wisconsin has left and what Wisconsin's already played. So could be a very interesting time down the stretch in the Big Ten. So I'm going Iowa. Um, I'm also going to go Michigan, Michigan State. I, I've got more to say on this in the in the next topic, and then in the losers bracket, we're gonna we're gonna explore this a little more. I would have been more inclined to put this game on its own. I thought this was a big game, was probably the biggest win of the weekend, but there were there were other circumstances that that changed the way I feel about this game, and we're, we'll talk about that. But for the game itself, I like the way Michigan played. I like the way that they. They ran the football well. They played great defense. Their defense was fantastic. The only touchdown, the only points that they gave up were on a trick play, you know, a little Philly special down down near the goal line that 
that I can live with that if I'm Michigan. If those are the only points that you're giving up, so not a bad not. So I'm saying that that's a great outing for them to basically, except for that play, pitch a shutout, and they hit the long pass. I, this Don, this, this Peoples Jones, right there. The the crazy thing about Michigan is that Peoples Jones was supposed to be the guy underneath the coverage. He was supposed to be the guy that that goes underneath, and Tariq Black was supposed to be their deep threat and their big their big bomb. Yet he's out for the year with a foot injury, a second foot injury. He had a foot injury last year that kept him out. Now he has a foot injury again and hasn't played. That's the scary thing about Michigan. If they had Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones on opposite sides of the field, you'd be looking at a much more dynamic Michigan team than we've already seen. So, um, yeah, I liked what Michigan did. I liked the way Michigan looked on the field. They dominated that game. And, and, and you know, this – this is the first time I can say, you know, Harbaugh dominated a game. I mean, they dominated a big-time team in Michigan State, a big-time rival. So it was a good job by by the Michigan players on the field. Now let's get to the, let's get to the even bigger thing about the even bigger win this week was the shocker. In West Lafayette, and and I got to give my boy Mike some props um, if he's listening to the show or you know if he's listening on podcast. I got I got to give him some props. He's a he's he was telling me all week Purdue is going to match up well with Ohio State. Purdue's going to match up well with Ohio State, and boy did they ever! And you know, I almost put this game in my biggest loss column because. I, I gotta say, Ohio State looked awful. They looked like they didn't want to be there. They looked like they didn't know how to be there. They looked like they had absolutely no idea what Purdue was gonna do. And, and that's the sad thing to me about this game. Is I gotta check something. The thing about this game, and I was watching it the whole time, is it looked to me like Ohio State had never seen had never seen Purdue play a game this year. It looked like they went into it and they just said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna play it by ear and because anybody who's seen Purdue play how can you throw the ball 70 times against that team? I mean, that's not the way you're going to – you're not going to beat Purdue that way. You know, they looked like they weren't ready for Jeff Brom to call a fake field goal. They looked like they were not ready for for Rondale Moore. I mean, I've seen one Purdue game intently all year. I, I, I've seen one I, – I've watched one one game fully, and that was the first game of the year. And, and I said it after, after that game. I said, 
know, my buddy Mike was asking me, how can Purdue get better? I said, give the ball to Rondale Moore. Just all you got to do, that'll, that'll help you out. Find ways to get him the ball. How Ohio State didn't know that Rondale Moore was going to be a big part of the offense and get the ball as much as he did in, in space, it, it, it just looked like they had no, Ohio State had no game plan. So that's the Ohio State side of things. But I want to talk about Purdue. This is a big win for Purdue because it keeps them alive. If they had lost to Ohio State, their season's over. There's no way, there's no road for them if they get a second loss in, in the Big Ten. There's no road for them with two losses. I mean, it, it's going to be very tricky to get from, to get to the Big Ten championship game with two or more losses. That, that's going to be very tricky. You have to hope for a lot of things to go wrong along the way. But they get the win over Ohio State, and, and now you're looking at a very, um, you know, a very workable schedule. If you're Purdue, you've got you've got Michigan State coming up. You've got uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, and I believe they end the season with Indiana. So, uh, I, I'm I'm going to sit here. I'm going to say. They're in a good position. If they can get past this stretch, I think this is a dominant stretch that they're in right now. They got three games that are just absolute nightmares. Um, you know, they got through one of them. Now they've got to get through Michigan State, which you know is going to be a battle. And then you've got the week after that, Iowa, which you know is going to be another grinded out battle. So. If they can get through this stretch, they should be in good shape. But um, but for right now, Purdue saved their season with that win, made their season look great. So good for them. And um, and that's why – and all those teams in the Big Ten. I talked about Michigan before. Why is Michigan one of the biggest winners? Because Ohio State lost. So that gives them a little bit of a cushion. Now, I mean, it really doesn't change much for the Big Ten. It's still going to come down to that last game against Ohio State. But now, at least, at least there's an opportunity to make the Big Ten championship, and and Michigan is still alive for the playoffs. So. Um, That's the one thing. That that's the other funny thing about what happened in the Big Ten this this week. Now I, I mentioned my friend Mike, and my friend Mike always says to me, whenever we talk play, whenever we talk college football playoffs, he tells me, oh, they're not going to keep a Big Ten team out this year. They're not going to keep a, a Big Ten team out. And, and the funny thing about him saying that is that Purdue's win over Ohio State may have done just that. Now, a lot of things have to play out for Michigan to make it to the college football playoff as a one-loss team. A lot of scenarios have to play out where, um, you know, 
Michigan obviously has to win out, win the Big Ten Conference. That would give them a win over Ohio State, a win over Penn State. So you're looking at a couple big wins, another win over Wisconsin or Iowa, one, you know, whereas we just mentioned Purdue, one of those three teams. Whoever makes it to the Big Ten Championship game from that side is going to be ranked a little, you know, it's going to be ranked. So you're going to talk about beating another ranked opponent. But Michigan will need help. They will need another team to lose. They'll need, you know, they'll need Alabama to take care of the SEC. They'll need Alabama to beat LSU, Alabama to beat Georgia. Um, and and for Alabama not to stumble on their way into the national championship game because Alabama's going to make it. If, if Alabama has one loss and they need to take a one-loss team, Alabama's going to be the first choice. However, let's – so they, they Michigan would need that. Michigan would need Notre Dame. Notre Dame maybe to lose. They would need. They they can't have Notre Dame sitting there because they're not going to be ahead of them. They need Clemson. Clemson to lose because Michigan's not going to be ahead of Clemson. So one of those teams, you know, one of those spots has to open up for Michigan to for Michigan to slide in. Ohio State, I think, is done. Even if they run the table and win the Big Ten, Ohio State at this moment, I think they're going to look back and look at this loss. Ohio State did what Ohio State does. We saw it last year in Iowa. We saw it this year in West Lafayette. They lose, and when they lose on the road in the Big Ten, when they lose, they lose badly. And it was a bad loss. I, I, I don't think there's any way they can get in As a one-loss team, I think they would have. I think Ohio State now falls way far back. I mean, they they could they would almost be like the third or fourth. Uh, they're almost the fifth. Or, I, I want to say third or fourth, but it's probably more like fifth or sixth one-loss team. I mean, when you start ranking one-loss teams, and you've got. LSU, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida. Now, when you start ranking the one-loss teams, Ohio State is not even in the top five of that. So um, they've got a lot of work to do to get back into it. So I think in reality what happened is the Big Ten, I, I think I – think just based off of this weekend, right now, if you were to make the Final Four, I think the Big Ten, the Big Ten's on the outside looking in. So, my buddy Mike, who has been saying, "Oh, they'll never leave the Big Ten out. They'll never leave the Big Ten out." His own Purdue Boilermakers may be the reason that. The Big Ten does not send a team to the champ to the playoff again, which is kind of funny to me. And I, if it happens, I'm I'm going to tease, I'm going to tease Mike about it pretty much all the time. 
because it would it would be his boilermakers that that forced forced the committee to make this decision. But but that's a well down the road. Let's get to some talk about the losers of college football. And we talked about the winners. We talked a lot about Ohio State losing. I thought about putting Ohio State in this category, but I chose to celebrate Purdue winning over Ohio State losing, even though I think Ohio State lost the game. I think they lost the game before it even started. But let's go Let's go to other big losers. And the first one is NC State. Now, nobody really thought that NC State was going to beat Clemson, but a lot of people thought, hey, you know, NC State will at least give Clemson a run for their money. They'll give Clemson, they'll make, you know, they'll make it a game. Well, it was not a game at all. Clemson routed NC State. And it was just a disaster of a football game from NC State's standpoint. I mean, Ryan Finley did not help his draft stock the way he looked. It was a total mismatch for NC State losing 41-7 to to North Carolina State, so um, no, I got to look at that game, and I got to say that's not going to be, uh, you know, it was just a very bad loss for North Carolina State, so we'll um, we got to chalk it up to a, a bad loss, and they just got to own it, but they had a shot. This was their sh- shot, and they definitely that they definitely missed out on that one. So um, anyway, so that's NC State. My second loser of the week was Cincinnati. Now a lot of people, while a lot of the attention had been going to UCF and rightfully so, but they're undefeated. Cincinnati was also undefeated, and you hear, heard a lot of people, oh, NC, uh, Cincinnati, oh, they haven't done anything. Cincinnati shocked, shocked me when they beat UCLA, and then to look up and see them undefeated to this point, I was even more shocked about Cincinnati, but they end up, they end up losing to Temple, and we see how that goes. So, um, very tough road for Cincinnati. And and actually, this is actually a bigger loss for UCF, which I'm going to get into in a minute. But this hurts. I think they were hoping to have, you know, Cincinnati undefeated, have uh, U, USF on South Florida undefeated, uh, playing against a Houston team with with one or two losses at that time, at the time that they get to play them in the championship. Those are the things that they needed to happen, and it looks like they didn't. But I'll get into UCF a little bit in another segment I'm a, that, I, that I need to get to. But um, I keep losing the page here. There we go. But uh, yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Cincinnati. My third loss was TCU. 
losing at home um I just want to make sure I had this right. Yeah, losing at home to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's going to put points up on people, but 52 to 27. I mean, TC, and, and this loss pretty much, this loss, we talked about TCU before as, as pretty much being done after after the Texas game. Um, but now you can... I was looking at the Big 12 standings. TCU, there's only one team below them, and that's Kansas. When you're close to Kansas in the Big 12 in football, that's not a good place to be. Kansas is getting ready for basketball season, and TCU is you, you know, is used to being at the top of the, you know, the top of the scales, fighting their way towards the top. Now they're just trying to keep from not being on the bottom. So that was a big loss for TCU. Um, it pretty much ends any hope that they have. Now they're just playing to get get those six games and you know win win your six games and get to get to a, at least a bowl game. Um, so we'll have to see what 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 happens with TCU going forward, but but very tough. All right. My biggest loser of the week, biggest loser of the week had to be Oregon. There's no other game that you could really think of. And, And you thought about this, all the talk all week was about, you know, all the talk, all since Saturday, all the talk is, all the focus has been on Ohio State and the doom and gloom of Ohio State. Ooh. Alright. So, well, how, how bad the Ohio State loss was. Even though the Ohio State game looked worse and they looked like a bad, you know, it was a bad loss. It was a bad loss, don't get me wrong. However, Ohio State can still recover. They can still recover and win the Big Ten title. So so it, it wasn't a death sentence for Ohio State. It wasn't a death sentence. It was just a it was just a major body blow. All right, we're in the bottom of the second just for an update on the World Series. Bottom of the second, still no score. No score, so we're getting a good pitching outing from Price and good from Ryu. Feels like feels like it's going cool. Every time I see Ryu's name out there, I just, I just think of Street Fighter. I don't know if that happens to anybody else, but I'm just waiting for him to, like, shoot a fireball out of his fists or something. Like, I think that would be really cool. Um, anybody who's ever played video games and played Street Fighter 2 knows what I'm talking about. Because that was my guy. That was my guy. I was always Ryu when, when I was in, um, when I was playing Street Fighter. So it's always fun to see him pitch when he pitches for the Dodgers because it makes me think of that. But anyway, 
Back to Oregon. Oregon played against Washington State, and and they were dominated. Thirty-four to twenty doesn't even say how much they were dominated in this game. It was twenty-seven to nothing at at one point in this game. So, uh, and it's off the wall. So the Red Sox get a get a one out double. One out double, they'll have a runner in scoring position with less than two outs, so uh, so the Red Sox are making making a move here. And we continue on. We continue on talking there. So Oregon had everything in front of them. If they ran the table, they had the outside possibility of of getting to the playoff. Now, I, now, even if they run the table, they have no. I don't think they have a shot at the Pac-12 title at this rate. So, I, I'm. That's why I've got to put the Ducks as my biggest loser because their season ended. You can talk about all these other teams that lost Ohio State. Michigan State already had their season in down down the tubes. USC. You can talk about USC losing and but losing to Utah and possibly their season being over, but they still have a chance to come back. I don't see a way Oregon gets back into this race with the two losses. Um I just don't see it. So you've got to pull, you got to put them down there as. So I got, I got to go with Oregon as my biggest losers. All right. With that being said, so we've we've done we've done our winners, we've done our losers. Let's get let's get to the rankings now. And now that the the playoff ranking is coming out, that was a nasty curveball. How did he get it to do that? That was disgusting. It looked like it was going to hit him, and then it it got close. I that was a disgusting looking breaking ball. And then he comes back with ninety one miles an hour. I mean, that's just not fair. But all right. So the rankings become more important now that we're getting down close to this. Um, you know, next week we'll we'll have the actual rankings, so we can talk about that. We can talk about where I think um, the team. So we'll have a little different ranking segment where we'll break down what the rankings actually, what they, what they, what what the committee says they are, and then what I think they actually should be. So we'll go from there. Um, We'll go from there next week. Of course, Tuesday night is when the um, Tuesday night is when when the um, rank rankings will be released. So it'll be an interesting spot to see. But all right, here we go with the rankings. Number one, we'll start at the top, and 
we'll go with number one. Number one is Alabama. I, they destroyed Tennessee. There's no reason to put anybody else on their level right now. They're just that far above everybody. Um, we haven't seen anybody even come close, even give them a challenge. So you got to put Bama leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. Number two, Clemson, especially off their NC State win. I said last week, I said they were on the same level as Ohio State. Now that Ohio State has a loss, you got you got to knock them down, and you got to put um, you got to put Clemson. So Clemson just takes their takes that spot right there. Not 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 too much to worry about with Clemson. I mean, it looks like. Trevor Lawrence is getting everything out of the system. We'll see this week. He'll have his first test of a road game. He'll have his first test on the road, so that will definitely be something we'll be we'll be looking at. But but it is against Florida State, and we've seen what Florida State has done in big games, and especially that offensive line against this Clemson defensive line. I, it's gonna it's gonna be a bloodbath, I think, um, down in Tallahassee. So, and the Red Sox get it, get a base hit. Ian Kinsler, Ian Kinsler with a base hit to left, with a base hit to left field scores the run from second. Red Sox jump on the Dodgers one to nothing. One nothing in the bottom of the second. So, all right. So that's what we're looking at right now. One Alabama, two Clemson. I'm going to go three. Three, I'm going to move Notre Dame up to three. Notre Dame ha- did, not, did not play. So, Notre Dame did not play this week. So, they... Um, Naturally, are just moved up, moved, you know, moved up. I'm not going. I'm not going to penalize them for having a buy. So, there we go with that. So there's Notre Dame at three. Number four, I'm going with LSU. I think LSU is the best one-loss team. There's no doubt about it that. LSU has the best resume out of anybody. Okay, we know who LSU is. Another base hit for the Red Sox. So they got. Oh, and Kinsler's going for third. Got him. Especially since Kinsler came off the base on his slide, but. Let's see if they actually got him. Yeah, they got him. Especially since he came off the base. But anyway. All right. So, I I was talking about LSU. LSU is the... There's no question that they've played the hardest schedule. I mean, Georgia, Florida... 
Auburn. Miami to open the season. There's no doubt about it that their schedule up to this point has been tougher than anybody else's. And so they've navigated it in 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 the right way. So I'm going to say that – so I, that's why I'm going to put LSU. And I also believe LSU is the best team out of all these teams. I mean, it – to me, it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip between LSU and Georgia, and we've already seen that game. We saw LSU dominate them, but got to put LSU over Georgia. That's why I've got five. I've got Georgia. I still think Georgia's a good football team. I think they had one bad outing in LSU. They they lost to a really good team. So I'm going to put Georgia. I'm going to put Georgia in there at five. And see how they bounce back. They had a week off. Now they get to go play Florida in the world's largest tailgate party. So it should be should be a good time. So all right. So I got Georgia at five. I got Michigan. I got Michigan at six. Um Everybody knows how I feel about Michigan. Um, now, while we're on the topic of Michigan, I want to get to, I want to get to something that I probably should have gotten to earlier, or I might have wanted to get to later. Well, I'm gonna get to it now. And I, I, I've been talking with a buddy of mine. I, I've been talking to a buddy of mine all day about this, and. What I what I've seen of of this incident, we've been talking about we've been talking about the incident in Michigan against Michigan and Michigan State, and the the incident happens like this. This is how I saw it. So Michigan was out warming up on the field, and Michigan State came out. Now the way Michigan State comes out. Every game they do this, they come out, arms locked, and they walk from their bench to the 50-yard line. That's well within their right. They have – the way I perceive pregame warm-up is each team has their half of the field. You stay on your side, we stay on our side. That's how it works. You know, you, the only ones you might see getting – a little bit of extra work on the other side are the kickers. You might get you might get a kicker, you know, kicking at the goalpost on the other side of the field just to get a feel for it. And by you know, each team lets their lets their kicker kick on both sides. That that's that's something that I've seen happen. Okay. Otherwise, if you stay on your side, if you go across the midfield. Whatever happens to you happens to you. That's that's you know there's nothing about that that's that says to me nothing about that is sinister. If you're if 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 Michigan State had walked all the way across the field and met Michigan, you know, on their side of the field, that's one thing. But for the Michigan kid to be on the other side and then to be fighting with the Michigan State players like, oh, they walked towards me, and, and 
All right, so the whole incident was just stupid. And it, it was stupid to begin with. But then, here's my problem. I was so ready. I so wanted to just talk about Michigan's victory and how good Michigan is. And then Jim Harbaugh has to open his big, fat mouth. And yes, I said it. I'll say it. Jim Harbaugh is completely wrong here. He is completely wrong with what happened, with with how it went down. And, you know, he can say, he can talk about how he doesn't like Mark D'Antonio. They can, they, can, they can have a beef all they want. They can have the rivalry and build up the rivalry all they want. But to come out and say, whoa, what they did is Bush League and the way that they start in, if you had, if you know anything about these programs, they've been doing that for years. If this isn't a first-time thing, this is the first time that a Mark, D'Ant- a Mark D'Antonio team has come out, you know, arms arms length. And then, so first off, just just the fact that Jim Harbaugh brought it up and. Again, a lot of people would say, oh, well, the media asked some questions. The media goaded him into saying something completely stupid. Okay? And, and I've, had this arg- I've had this argument with people where they're like, well, he was asked a question. He should answer it. He should answer the question, but he should answer it. He, it doesn't mean you give any answer. He gave a bad answer. Jim Harbaugh made it about the pregame antics. When he should have just said, when he when he said, well, what happened in the pregame? He should have just said, you know, what happened happened, and you know, whatever their reasons for doing what they did, they didn't work because we kicked their ass. That's all he has to say. That's all he has to say to put the focus back on the game. Put the focus back on the game you just played, rather than saying, well, it was Bush League and their stormtroopers and. Uh, I didn't, you know, this guy, D'Antonio was watching the whole thing smiling. He just sounds like a whiner. He's just whining about something that makes no sense. It doesn't make a difference. And my my buddy, Arsavio, did bring up, oh, there, you know, I guess the Big Ten or the NCAA threw out fines for the scuffle, and, and that's fine. There was a fight, so yes. But you know, you know, the schools and the coaches should be fine. That that I have no problem with. What I do have a problem with is Jim Harbaugh bringing it up, and and it's fine. You know, it it's fine if he brings it up on Saturday and he says, you know, this is what what it is, and blah blah blah. That I'm okay with. I mean, I'm not okay, but. Even if he goes just one day, I'd say, all right, it was, you know, it, it was in the heat of the moment. I, I can excuse it. However, it is now Wednesday. I have seen video. I have seen video and radio clips of him talking about this Monday in his press conference, Tuesday on a radio show. I saw him talking about. I, I heard him talking about it. So I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about. Jim Harbaugh is a tough guy, and, he's, and he demands toughness out of you. He is not a tough guy. If he tries to be a tough guy, he's a fraud. Because you know what tough guys do? Tough guys 
tough guys tell you, tough guys answer the question and they say, they, you know who's the tough guy? And somebody asked me about this. Well, why isn't D'Antonio a fraud? I'll tell you why D'Antonio is not a fraud. When he was asked the question, what did he say? I'll take him at his word. He said, that's bull. He said, that's BS. We're moving on. You know, that's BS. We're, we're done. That's it. That was his quote. Done. He talked about it once after the game. Everybody knew where he stood. Jim Harbaugh has to go out and yap about it every single day. That, to me, tells you tells me that you're the weaker side here. Because if you have to talk and convince people to get to your side, if you have to keep talking about it, if, you have, if he had left it at what he said in the press conference Saturday, if that's where he left it, that would have been fine. I would have said, okay, you know, I get where he stands. But when you keep trying to push something, those are the people that you can't trust. When somebody keeps saying and repeating something, it's kind of like, I want you to believe this, so I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it was Bush League. I'm going to keep saying it, it's a Bush League tactic. Because Jim Harbaugh knows if Michigan were doing that and somebody called it Bush League, he would react the same way. He would be like, no, it's not Bush League. And it's not. They have a ritual. They do it. And he knows his player was in the wrong. His player should not have been on that side of the field. It's that simple. So I'm just telling you right now, what should have been a celebration of Jim Harbaugh and saying, all right, Jim Harbaugh finally got a big win at Ohio State or finally got a big win at Michigan. You know, he's still got to go through Penn State, still got to go through Ohio State. But he finally he finally got finally slayed a a big time game against Michigan State in a, in a game that mattered. A game that mattered for his team. Um this was an important this was I wanted I just wanted to come on and praise him. After the game I was ready to praise him. Watching that entire game I was like, this is you know, I can finally say Jim Harbaugh has done a great job and gotten his team ready to go. And you know, then I see this press conference after and I'm like, just don't ruin it. Just don't ruin the moment. Just let the moment sit. Let people focus on the game played. Because the more people focus on the game that was played on Saturday, the more people would wake up to say, Michigan's a pretty damn good football team. They've got a shot at the playoffs. But when you start focusing people on looking at the antics and discussing all that, it takes away from people looking at, at the team. It just does. That's my that's my reasoning for being as upset as I am at Jim Harbaugh is he took away from his team to get in a a spat with the with the head coach at Michigan State, which really does not matter. So um, David Price puts up another zero in the third inning. 
So we head to the bottom of the third, still one nothing, um, still one nothing Red Sox. All right, so that's my rant on Michigan, but I still have them as the sixth best team. My seventh team, I know everybody's going to get upset at me, and UCF didn't do it, didn't do themselves any favors this week. Um, you know, Josh Heupel not releasing that Mackenzie Milton was injured until pretty much the post game. I mean, even the announcers doing the game were like, what is going on here? Um, even the post-game announcers were like, even, even they were like, maybe he'll play, maybe he's just out. And, you know, not saying that he was out for the game until after was very distracting to what, what the game was. But UCF did pull it out. Um, and then they pulled it out with a backup quarterback, so that that's not a bad. It's not a. It's not a. It's not the worst thing in the world for. Um, for UCF that that they got to see um, that they got to see Max the quarterback play, but it did do a a harm I think to Mackenzie Milton for him not playing so. With that being said, I still think UCF is the seventh best team in the country. You're going to have to – everybody wants to say Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to have to stop somebody. I have to see those defenses. I do not believe in the Texas defense. I don't believe in the Oklahoma defense. Until I can can believe that they can stop somebody, then – then I'll, I'll start to then I'll, I'll I'll bump them up over UCF. But right now I don't trust that Texas defense, and I don't trust Oklahoma's defense. And they're eight nine on my list. Ten I've got Florida. I don't think that's a problem there. Number eleven I got Ohio State. We talked about them. You know I think they've fallen all the way back here. Behind all these other one-loss teams, and we'll see where we go from there. So, all right. Number 12, I've got Kentucky. Number 13, Washington State coming off their win over Oregon. Number 14, West Virginia. Um, again, they're coming off their loss to Iowa State. So that's the, really the last time that we've seen them. So we'll be hoping to see how they bounce back. But I'm, I'm going to keep them at 14 for right now. Washington at 15. Washington back in the hunt. If they can, um, well, all they've got to do right now is hope for, all Washington has to do right now is hope for a um, hope for Washington State, you know, maybe, maybe for for Stanford. For all they have to do is is hope somebody's going to get knocked out in, in this Stanford Washington Washington State game coming up this weekend. So they they've got 
so they've got options that they can do. Um, you know, they still have Stanford. They still have Washington State on the schedule. So Washington's in, in a good spot right now. In the Pac-12, they're not dead yet, but we'll see where they go from here. 16, I've got Jimbo Fisher and the boys. Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies of Texas A&M at 16. 17, Wisconsin. Some, some, some people's lists have, have this split. They have Iowa over Wisconsin. I have them right on the same page. Um, and I put Wisconsin first because Wisconsin won the head-to-head matchup. So that that explains that one a little bit. 19, I've got Penn State. And 20, I'm going to put South Florida in there. I know a lot of people have been talking bad about South Florida and their schedule. I'm telling you, I saw one game. I saw them play Georgia Tech this week, this year. And we're going to see them play some, some big-time games coming down, down the stretch. This Blake Barnett, this Blake Barnett for for South Florida, he's a guy to watch. I, I, I think he could be one of these guys that shoots up the draft. The, the first time I saw him, I thought he was a definite first-round pick, you know, but that's only one game that I've seen him. So we'll see him down the stretch. We'll see him. We'll definitely see him play um, UCF. We'll we'll see him play this weekend against Houston. So, so I do think. So I think we'll get some chances. But I, this is a name you want to remember when we start getting into draft talk towards the end of the season here. This Blake Barnett is something I I think we need to uh, keep an eye on. And we will. We'll we'll monitor it as we go. So that's my top 20. The biggest things are the top four, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, LSU, um, with Georgia, Michigan, UCF, Texas, and Oklahoma right there. Nipping at the heels. Florida, if they beat Georgia, could throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing. But we'll see how that plays out going forward. All right. Let's get to some NFL news and notes. Um, not much of the not much of the show left to go here. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna press on. We'll go to the NFL for a little bit. It's still one nothing. Um, Mookie Betts gets a base hit, so the Red Sox have one out and a runner on at first base. With Ben Inten- with Benintendi up at the plate, so here we go with one out, and we're taking a look at that. So. All right, so what did we learn from the NFL this this week? What I've learned from the NFL this week is is the trading deadline. First of all, what I learned is the NFC East 
is absolutely dreadful. Um, as if we didn't know that already, especially being a Cowboys fan, I know how dreadful they are, but um, but you know, um, the N- NFC East is, is the Eagles. The Eagles are, are in bad shape right now. They're still trying to find out who they are post-Super Bowl. Um, the Cowboys, we'll, we'll get to them in a minute. The Giants are a dumpster fire. Um, and really, I mean, the Giants just can't block anybody. I, you know, people want to say, oh, it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. It, it's the Giants. The Giants can't block anybody. Your quarterback can't do anything if he's trying to go on a QB sneak and there's three guys meeting him in the backfield. Um, th- that's not going to work, and it's just a, an indictment of the whole Giants offensive line. But that that's where we go from there. But the Eagles the Eagles are still trying to find themselves after after the Super Bowl, trying to get their identity. Um, you know, trying to work Carson Wentz back into the rotation, back to being the quarterback he was before, but it, it doesn't look it doesn't look right. It doesn't look the same. So it's a tough thing to look at for the for the Eagles, the Redskins. The Redskins lead the the division, and I mean. They are a clanked field goal. They're they are a a botched snap that that the re, the refs you know we can we can talk all, all we want about you know whether it was a penalty or not whether it should have been called. I, I mean Tony Romo went through the the game. I think the game. I think the game was on CBS. I thought it was Romo that was doing it. Might have been Aikman. I don't know. Whoever was doing the game, they they showed that. I, I just remember watching the, the. They showed what he did on the penalty. And then they showed it the very next play. He did the same the guy did the same exact thing and they didn't call it. So either both of them were penalties and one was just not called or one or they were not a penalty and they just threw a flag because the guy jumped offside. So I just don't know what it was, but um But I, you you can't put the loss on that. The guy still has to make the field goal, and he missed. And the Redskins did get the win. But I, I'm not all that excited about the Redskins beating the Cowboys. I mean, this is a game I thought the Redskins were going to beat the Cowboys anyway. So, um, you know, when you do it, when you win, the, when the Redskins win that game. 
win the game against the Cowboys in Dallas. I think they play on Thanksgiving again. When they win that game, then we'll start to talk because that's when the game will matter a lot more. And speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys are telling you that the NFC East is a dumpster fire by going out and trading for Amari Cooper. And I've seen a lot of this. I've seen a lot of people arguing over, oh, my God, we gave up a first-round pick. We gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper? Two years ago, you would have you, you been lucky to only give up one first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is worth the first-round pick. You think about what they gave up. The Cowboys gave up a 2019 first-round pick. They were going to use that pick on a, on a pass catcher no matter what. Then you've got to go through the draft and find a wide receiver to take. Outside of the kid, from, the kid Harry from, um, from Arizona State, I don't see another wide receiver worthy of taking in the first round. We've seen Amari Cooper be great. We've seen him work. And that's why I that's why I say it was a good move. I also say it was a good move because for people in my camp, people that are finally coming over to my side of the story here, that finally believe in that that are starting to believe Jason Garrett is nothing is is nothing to be, you know, Hold on to. There's no reason why he's still the. Um, there's no reason why he's still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I, I've been on the get rid of Jason Garrett train. It, it feels like almost a decade now. I mean, it's been a long time since I. It's been a long time that I've been making these moves and trying to figure this out. But um, but anyway, this is now a position. The Dallas Cowboys are now in a position where if Jason Garrett can't get this offense working, then either he has to go, Dak has to go, or both have to go. That's it. Those are the decisions. There, there's no more of this. Well, we didn't have a number one weapon. We didn't have a number one receiver. We, we didn't have the, we didn't have the group together. You know, all of that is out the window because you have Amari Cooper now. You have a chance at making that, that happen. So, that that's good news for me. I mean, as a Cowboys fan, if it doesn't work, I think we got to get rid of Garrett. Then we'll make a decision on Dak later on down the road. But and you know what? If it works out, if it works out, then it works out. Cowboys make the playoffs, and we'll see where we go from there. But do I think by any do I think this move makes them a Super Bowl contender? No. Does it make them a playoff team in the NFC East right now? Yes, yes, it does. 
So, all right. Let's, um... So the Dodgers, Dodgers have first and second with nobody out. Here in the top of here in the top of the fourth, they've got first and second, nobody out. This I don't understand. And I'll have to have I'll have to have some somebody with uh, you know I have to have somebody with with more more of a baseball uh, more of an idea on baseball than I do. Come on, because I don't understand I don't understand why the sacrifice bunt is a lost art. I mean, why you wouldn't bunt? Why you wouldn't bunt here? Get second and third with one out against Price, try to tie the game, just to tie the, just to at least tie the game up, why you wouldn't get that play, why you wouldn't have that play on, I, I don't, I don't understand here, so somebody, somebody that, that's been studying baseball strategy will have to tell me why the sacrifice bunt is not used anymore, seems like it's only used when a pitcher is up, and, and even then, I don't see a lot of pitchers using it. I don't see a lot of people going to the sacrifice bunt uh, to try to get try to get a run home. I mean, you're down one nothing. Why not try to tie this game up? Why not put yourself in a better position? And a base hit, the base hit, and you're and you're ahead in the game. So, um, but it works out for the Dodgers because they get a walk anyway. So. Um, works out. We got the bases loaded. Nobody out. Let's see what David Price. David Price trying to psych himself up. So here we go. So we're talking about the NFL and talking about um, talking about the N- the NFC East. And you can see the Cowboys think the the NFC East is still in striking distance. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made this trade. So, um, you know, we can see where that's going. And and there we go. All right. Uh, I've written it down here. I don't really want to talk about this. I kind of just want to get into my picks. So... Uh, I mean, this this whole the media the 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 NBA media is funny. You get oh, and here we go. The Dodgers Dodgers get a sacrifice fly, and Matt Kemp. The Matt yeah Matt Kemp scores, and the Dodgers have tied it up. So sacrifice fly. No, Matt Kemp hit the sacrifice fly. So Matt Kemp seems to be the best hitter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he had the home run yesterday. Here he drives in the run to tie it. So doing a lot of things for this team. 
Uh, and you got Machado on at second. We'll see how this. We'll see how this goes here. First and second, one out. Hernandez at the plate. And all right. So anyway, I was talking about uh, I was moving topics here, and we're gonna move on to basketball where. You know, it's opening week. We've had such a big, such a big start to the NBA season. Um, the NBA season's been fun to watch. I, I've been watching as a Celtics fan. I enjoyed the. Um, I, I, wa- I watched the Celtics Raptors game. I, I, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed watching. I obviously enjoyed this the the Sixers Celtics game. Um, so, but all the funny thing about this, and and you know, we we've seen um, we've seen the Raptors come out out of the gate, uh, look looking like a very good team. They obviously beat the Celtics. They they're four and zero. They're four and zero. Okay, they're four and zero, and all anybody wants to talk about is the Lakers are zero and three. The Lakers are zero. The Lakers are zero and three, and the Rockets, you know, Rajon Rondo is spitting on people, and there's a ball, and oh my God, we want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about the Rockets are four and zero. The Milwaukee Bucks are three and zero. The Detroit Pistons are three and zero and just beat the Seventy Sixers. You know, this is a very volatile time. So the end. So I'm just saying, you know, the NBA, um, the NBA needs needs to, you know. The NBA media and the people, I mean, who really cares about the Lakers and Rockets getting in a ball? Nobody cares, okay? I don't care what the Lakers do. I don't care that Ray John Rondo punched uh, CP3. Like, it, it, it doesn't make a difference. It wasn't like any anything, you know, I mean... Sorry, I got a hair stuck in. I got a hair stuck on my tongue. That that doesn't help. That doesn't help. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I I don't really care. I don't care about this this Spitgate story. Like when I first heard of it, I was like, who cares? The Lakers stink. So what if Rondo's suspended? Who cares? But you know, it's the NBA, so they've they've. They've got to stretch something, and why they choose to focus on how bad the Lakers are as opposed to how good Toronto is, how good the Greek freak is right now. These are the stories that need to be discussed in the NBA. 
And these are the stories that are going to carry things on down the road. See, LeBron and the Lakers, we can talk about them and how crappy they are all year. But right now, let's let's focus on, on, on the good things before we start focusing on the first four games of the season for the LA for the L for the LA Braun Lakers. So anyway, that's that's that story. But also, I mean, I, I have to say I am I, I, I've always been a fan of Rondos for the reason that he will punch a Chris Paul in the face. Like, he doesn't care. Like, and all these people, oh, my God, Rondo. Rondo shouldn't have spit at him or should have, you know, he should should apologize. or uh, If you're telling Rajon Rondo to apologize, that's not who he is. He doesn't care. And I can say that for a fact. He does not care about what anybody else thinks about him. So... This has been a long at bat here. And it's still going on. How many Kiki Hernandez is putting up putting in a big at bat here? Long at bat, wearing out David Price. We'll see if it pays dividends here. If LA can get the lead or maybe get Price out of the game. This is probably Price's I mean, he's only at it, it's funny the way that this postseason has changed the way we view baseball. Cause you would think Oh, he's a starter. He's thrown 62 pitches. He's probably got another inning in him. After this postseason, that's totally different. You're like, oh, he's at 62 pitches through four innings. Got to get somebody up and, and get, might have to get somebody in there. And Price able to power through it, get the strikeout. So a nice at bat by Kiki Hernandez ends in nothing, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that does for Price going forward. He did work up the pitch count, so that's always a good thing. All right. That being said, let's get to the picks. Let's get to the picks. And we'll start in the NFL just because that's the page that I'm on. So we'll start with the NFL. Grab my pen so I can write out my stuff. All right, we'll start Thursday night, Miami at Houston. Miami at Houston. Houston is seven and a half. Ooh, we, got, we got a base hit here. Let's see if we get a play at the plate. We will not. Manny Machado will score easily. Ball is cut off. We have first and third. And Yasiel Puig coming through in the clutch. And like I just said, that's probably because of that long at bat by Kiki Hernandez. It wasn't Kiki Hernandez who got the benefit. It was Puig, that next guy, because he got one up. He got a ball up, got a good swing on it, and blooped it right over to second baseman, right into center field. Machado scores easily, and we have first and third. Dodgers are up 2-1. to one. So good Good job by them. Good job by Yasiel Pui. Good job of hitting. All right, Miami at Houston. 
I'm going to take Miami 20. This one's tough. Houston's favored by 7.5. I'm going to take Houston 24, Miami 20. So I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover. I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover the minus 7.5. So Dolphins to cover the number. All right, here we go. Now let's go let's go to Sunday morning. Sunday morning in London, Philadelphia at Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville's coming off some a disaster game. They don't know who their quarterback is. Going uh this is probably a good time for them to go across the pond, figure things out. Problem is they get to go against Phil against Philadelphia who's having problems of their own and trying to figure things out. So I think this is going to be one of those games where the teams are pretty much feeling each other out. And I'm going to go Philadelphia 23. I'm going to go 23-20. Philadelphia wins by a field goal. Um, Jacksonville is a plus two and a half, so that would give Philadelphia a win and a cover. All right, let's go to the New York football Jets. That's right, I said it. The New York Jets. Jets at Chicago. Um, Chicago's played really well of late. Um, you know, they lost to New England by a field goal. As David Price is able to get a strikeout, get out of the inning, that the Dodgers get two on the board. It's now two to one. We go to the middle of the fourth. David Price is talking about uh, the walk that he had right before Kiki Hernandez, so he was not feeling it. Not feeling it there. All right. So... I clicked on the wrong game. <laughs> All right, Jets at Jets at the Bears. I'm going to take Chicago 26, Jets 17, and the Bears are six and a half point favorites. So I'm going to take the Bears to win and cover. All right, Tampa Bay at Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati's got off to a hot start. Now they've sort of come back to the pack as I thought they would. Tampa Bay is just as bad as I thought they would would be. So with Cincinnati playing at home, I'm going to go 27-20. I'm going to take seat. Cincinnati, who is a four-and-a-half point favorite. So I'm going to take Cincinnati for a win and a cover. Not Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Now I just got to get back to the show here for a second. Check the time. We're good. Our Browns at Steelers. Remember, this game opened the season. 
Opened the season in Cleveland with a tie. Now the Steelers have an eight and a half point. Somehow this game went from being a tie. This game went from being a tie to the Steelers being an eight and a half point favorite. Um, I don't know what people are basing that on. Maybe maybe the fact that Le'Veon Bell is supposed to come back. I think he was I think he's supposed to be back next week. So maybe they're thinking Pittsburgh will get a little bounce in their step. I I don't know, but but I'm gonna take I still have question marks about that Pittsburgh defense. But I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Pittsburgh twenty six twenty, which means I'm I'm taking the Browns to cover. All right, Denver at Kansas City. We saw Denver last time. We saw we saw this game again. We saw this game in Denver come down to a um. It came down to a a last second drive. And now, all of a sudden, just because it's in Kansas City, the Chiefs are 10.5-point favorites. I think Denver is... I like that number. I'm going to take... I'm going to actually take the Chiefs here because I'm going to take the Chiefs 31-20. to 20 which is an 11 point. So I'm going to take the Chiefs and the points. The Chiefs are favored. The Chiefs are at minus 10 and a half. I'm going to take them at 11. All right. Seattle at Detroit. This is the dreaded 1 o'clock start for a West Coast team. Seattle, Detroit, able to do a lot of things. Detroit is a minus the two and a half point favorite. I'm gonna take Seattle. I'm gonna take Detroit to cover and I'm gonna take I think again, I think it's a an interesting score, so I'm gonna go twenty four twenty. I'm gonna put give Detroit to win. Here's my interesting game of the week. This is what the funniest thing. The Redskins lead the the Redskins lead the NFL. They lead the NFC East, right? They're the leaders at four and two. They're going into New York, and New York is only a half point favorite. It's basically a pick'em game, and New York is basically a dumpster fire waiting to happen. I mean, but that being said. Since it's basically a pick'em game, I don't know why I can't really justify it. If Washington didn't squeak out a win last week, and if the Giants didn't look pathetic against the Falcons, I mean, the score says that they weren't, but I watched that game. They looked pathetic. The Giants, everything is pointing to you, screaming at you to take Washington. 
I'm going to take the Giants here 24-23 over the Redskins. And I, I know it seems hard. The Giants 1-6 after their first seven. But I'm going to take them. But I'm going to take them. All right. Let's move on to the, the 4 o'clock games here. Indianapolis. Did I miss one? Oh, I did. All right. I did. Don't want to forget Baltimore at Carolina. Actually, a very good game. A very good game. This should be one of the better games of the weekend. Um, Carolina is at home, and they are an underdog at home. Uh, I think Baltimore Ravens have a very good defense. I'm going to trust Cam Newton. I'm going to trust Cam Newton and Graham Gano to get this done. To get it done, and I I am going to I'm going to take Carolina Carolina 23-21. Indianapolis at Oakland. Oakland is selling everybody off. And when they're not when they're not selling everybody off, they're selling everybody out as they you know, somebody's leaking that Derek Carr is crying uh after getting hit, after getting injured. The guy injured his shoulder and guys want to question whether he was crying or not. How about don't get your how about don't let your quarterback get killed and maybe he won't cry. Maybe on defense you know you got to wonder who's leaking this information and all of this stuff out, especially when there are publications like The Athletic, which is a website, um, which I believe has a partnership with ESPN. But you have there every story I see from The Athletic is unnamed source says this. Unnamed general manager says, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Until you put your name on it, until you say, I said it, I don't care. I don't care what unnamed people say. It doesn't make a difference to me. All right. But let's get this going here. Uh, So I'm taking the Colts. I don't even know what the number is. I don't care. I'm taking the Colts 27. 27. 27-10 27-10 over Oakland. Green Bay and Los Angeles. How about this one? Aaron Rodgers getting nine and a half points. You know, against a 7-0 and Rams team. I'm going to take Green Bay straight up for the upset here. Green Bay wins it 30-28. to San Francisco at Arizona. Is there any reason to watch this game? I mean, what is the reason to watch San Francisco, Arizona, unless you're, unless you're my boy TJ and your Niners Nation? I mean, you know, you got Niners Faithful Radio out there. Otherwise, it, it, it makes no sense to watch this game. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Arizona at home. Probably shouldn't probably shouldn't, but I will. I'll take Arizona at home twenty three twenty. 
over San Francisco. The Sunday night game, New Orleans is in Minnesota. I'm going to take Minnesota. You know what? I'm going to take New Orleans in this one. I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip on it. I'm gonna flip on it. Thirty-one, twenty-eight, New Orleans. <laughs> and New England at Buffalo. How about this Monday night? Buffalo is fourteen and a half point dogs to the Patriots. The Patriots have scored thirty-eight the last three games. So I'm going to go with them scoring 45 points, and I don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, so we'll just say 45 to 13 for the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's move to college football now. We'll end, we'll end the show with some college football picks, and here we go. We're going to start Friday night. Utah at UCLA. Utah still playing for their still playing for the Pac-12 title. UCLA has been getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better each week. Finally got a win. Um, they pulled out a, a win last week against Arizona. So I'm going to take. Um, I'm going to take Utah here. The 10.5-point spread tells me, you know, I, 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 I'm not I'm, – I'm liking what I'm seeing from, from Chip Kelly. I like that the team is getting better. I just don't think this is the week to take UCLA. I think Utah wins this game handily probably somewhere in the – Probably somewhere in the 31-17 range, 31-17, somewhere in that area. That's where I'm going to go with it. So I'm going to go 30, I'm going to go Utah 31, UCLA 17. There we go with that. All right. So let me check it here. We're good. All right, Clemson at Florida State. I, I, I love this seventeen number for Clemson. I, I think I think it's going to be far greater than that. You know, it's not something that we should trust. Trevor Lawrence, the true freshman, his first true road game. Um, of course, going to Tallahassee. Could this be the spot for the upset? I don't think. I don't think so. And I think 17 is is, is a low number for this. I'm going to say 42. I'm going to say 42 to 17. I'll give Florida State 17 points. I don't even think they're going to be able to do that. That defensive line is going to eat that offensive line alive. All right, Purdue at Michigan State. This is a tough one for me. Um, you know. Everything about this game screams Purdue. Purdue's the underdog. The the line has moved, has actually moved up, which means most, which means the Vegas money is on Michigan State 
pushing the line forward, trying to get people to bet Purdue. It's gone from two to two and a half. It's gone from two to two and a half. If Michigan State had won last week and Purdue were coming in, if they were coming in equal, I would I would probably take Purdue outright. However, Michigan State, I think they're upset after last week. I know there's injuries. I know, I know there's a lot surrounding this program. Purdue coming off that emotional game, they're they're still spreading the emotion of of their win. And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Michigan State twenty three. I've flipped on this. I've gone back and forth, but I'm gonna take Michigan State twenty three to twenty. Twenty three twenty Michigan State. I'm I'm taking Michigan State. Feels like an upset, but apparently it's not. But whatever. All right, let's go to the snowman. Snowman. This is your shot here for Northwestern. Northwestern actually sits atop the – I was looking at – they actually sit atop the Big the Big Ten uh, – I, I think it's the Big Ten West. Northwestern's one of those teams involved. They would need a big win over Wisconsin. I don't see them getting it. The question is, what is – Wisconsin doing it the lot the a lot of people betting Wisconsin here I agree with them I'm going to take Wisconsin 33 Northwestern 20 I think a 13 point win for Wisconsin in this game all right let's keep going down the list and keep going to the big stay in the big 10 Iowa at Penn State you know we love Iowa on this program. We love to talk Iowa football. Nobody picks Iowa. Like I do six and a half point spread. I'm de- with a six and a half point spread. I'm definitely taking Iowa now. Uh, I'm going to take them outright for the win. I was going to take them just to cover. I'm taking them outright for the win. I'll I'll take I'll take Iowa 27, Penn State 23. I'll flip the score on that one. I was going to say Penn State 27, Iowa 23. Well, I'm going to take Iowa for the upset win. There we go. You can put it in the book. All right, let's move on to Florida. Florida, Georgia. It says Florida at Georgia, but that's not true. The game is played in Jacksonville. We know we know they play at a neutral stadium. How neutral it is in Jacksonville. Well, we got some Florida Georgia line. Hopefully, uh, hopefully a lot, a lot of that will be be playing on on Saturday, and it's a Florida. This line has gone back and forth. It started at seven, went up to seven and a half, came back down to seven, probably settle at seven and a half um, with Georgia as the favorite. I'm going to take Georgia here. I'm going to take Georgia 30, Florida 20. So I'm going to take Georgia to win and cover. South Florida at Houston. Um, it's funny. South Florida is the is an undefeated team, yet they are underdogs 
They're they're the ranked team in this matchup, and they're the underdogs at Houston. And they're not just—it's not even close underdogs. They're underdog. They're seven and a half. Houston's favored by seven and a half. I think that's because of the defense, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take UCF. Take UCF twenty four, Houston twenty three. I take I'll take South Florida to keep it rolling, keep the undefeated streak going. All right, here we go. Washington State at Stanford. This is a game that could go a long way to def- the uh, deciding the national the Pac twelve. Cause it's at the farm in Stanford. I'm gonna go with Stanford. They're a field goal. They're field goal favorites. That's about where I think it's gonna be. I'll take them. I'll take Stanford 24-20 over Washington State. Washington State's a different team away from Pullman, so we'll have to see how that plays out. All right, Texas at Oklahoma State. This is the big one in the Big 12 this week. I think too much Texas. The the big question for me is going to be, does Sam Ellinger play, and how effective is he coming off that injury? That's the big question mark for me. I still think Texas is able to put up. I'm going to say that Sam Ellinger plays, and he's he's in a fine position. I'm going to say Texas wins it 37 37-31. 37-31. So that would give Texas a an all-out win. And late at night, some Pac-12 after dark. Oregon at Arizona. Oregon is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. I think that's about right. I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon here, 31 Arizona 17. All right, so those are the picks, and that's the show for today. We have been watching uh, watching the World Series. Hopefully, um, I haven't looked at the schedule. Hopefully, no World Series game interruptions next week. Hopefully, it's still going on. Hopefully, we have a lot to talk about, and this is a back-and-forth series, and it's not over. If we have a World Series champion, we'll definitely have uh, that story for you as well. So we'll be watching that. And, of course, we'll be watching all the college football. We got college football playoffs uh, to be picked. We'll have rankings to analyze. We'll be able to talk about that. So a lot to do next week. Uh, A lot of fun games this weekend. Uh, A lot of trade. The NFL's trade deadline has heated up. We've seen guys switch teams already. We've got teams talking about making trades. So let's see how that plays out. Hopefully we'll have more trades and more things to discuss. And There's always something with the NFL, always something to discuss. So we'll figure it out. Until next time, guys, we will talk, we'll, we'll talk to you. Enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, Have a good one, guys.